The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. The Originator Connect Network, the nation's largest producer of mortgage events, is about fostering a community founded on professionalism, collaboration, and personal and professional growth, connecting you to the story of your success. In the business world, CEOs are often put on a pedestal. However, SunWest CEO Pavan Agarwal is the complete opposite. He's a casual guy that just happens to run a billion dollars company. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Sarah Wolak, staff writer for NMP Magazine. We featured Pavan on our cover of NMP's January issue. And on today's episode, you'll hear a conversation that Pavan and I had that covers everything from his childhood to SunWest's latest ventures. So just to start off, can you tell me about what it was like growing up, you know, where you grew up, um, your interests, and what really um, shaped you growing up? Okay. Uh, wow. I know it's a loaded uh, question. I'll I'll prod yeah. if I want more. No, no, that's okay. All right. Um, I, I feel like I'm in a dating app. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, see, I grew up in Southern California in in uh, a little town called Cerritos. This is where the where the company started. Um, you know, so. Went to element public elementary school, public high school, Cerritos High School. So, <laughs> and how do you spell that? Uh, C E R R I T O S. Okay. And what were your interests growing up as a kid? Like, did you have specific hobbies? And you know, how many siblings do you have? Oh, I have uh, two older sisters, um, and. Yeah, that hobbies like uh, it was uh, punk rock music and skateboards. What kind of punk rock music? What kind of cross yeah, like sports? Uh, everything from Sex Pistols to uh, Van Halen to uh, uh, Metallica. Uh, as you name you name it from you know even even classic rock like you know start from seventies rock Pink Floyd and and earlier than that Beatles. And all, all of that is, I love all kind of music. It's just, uh, that's, that particular genre, um, I find it quite appealing. Also, the, the the newest stuff that comes out, it seems like it's just, it's just all that same music from the 70s and 80s, just being redone mm-hmm. by new artists. I, um, like uh, the stuff my, my kids listen to is all, uh, I said, hey, this sounds like you know this song. Now I'll, I'll play the I'll play the I'll play the the song that they they pull riffs from, and and uh, and then my kids get disappointed. <laughs> so you play a lot of music during your presentations. You know, I've heard you play "Video Kill the Radio Star." Do you think that music had an influence on your career at all, or your personality? Um, I don't know, but. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if it had an influence. I mean, it's just, I mean, everything has an influence on who we are, right? Uh, whether, whether, it's, whether it's music, where we live, 
who our friends are. I mean, it's all, all these experiences, the good and the bad makes us who we are today. So I, so I guess the short answer is yes, but how and to what extent, uh, I don't know. But, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was interesting in the uh, Originator Connect in, in Vegas when I asked, you know, how many people um, enjoy 80s music? And it's like, you know, 60% of the room raised their hands, right? And, um, you know, if you Google, you know, if you Google this, it you was know, the median age of, of loan officers and it's something like 52 or 55 or something. So they're kind of like, okay, that makes sense, right? Um, so, so I think this, because the, the age of loan originators is about my age, so this, this music connects with them, um, doesn't necessarily connect with the, the, the newer generation of loan officers. Um, and I think that's kind of a problem with the median age being so high but it tells you that millennials are not entering this occupation. So we're gonna see, you know, in a couple of years, we're gonna see a shortage of loan originators in the country. Um, growing up, I'm not, oh, sorry. I'm not, I'm not sure if that rises to the level of a crisis, <laughs> I know that's pretty alarming. Pretty alarming. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't think that's going to get Elizabeth Warren uh, on fire to say, "Oh my God, we have a crisis because we have a shortage of loan originators." Um, but you know, it it, it will create uh, you know financial financially, it will create a supply uh, demand and supply shortage, right? Which will cause which will cause prices to rise. Um, speaking of getting into the industry, what sparked your interest in getting to into the mortgage industry? Did you have um, parental influence, any influence in high school? Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up in the industry. So, um, you know, when we, we immigrated to this country in 74, 75, I was just a little kid. Um, and my father, you know, first first job in the States was a real estate agent. Um, and, and then he started uh, buying, he uh, started into uh, Sorry, Pavan, could you repeat that? The connection just cut out a little bit. Just buying her repos. Uh, so, yeah. Um, could you, yeah, could you I'm sorry, it's the, it's the internet and, Yep. Yep. Connection is going to cut out. Yeah, it keeps cutting out. Because the internet here in Puerto Rico has been, yeah. Um, yeah, usually it cuts out and then comes right back. So, and it does it every few minutes. So, sorry. Okay. Could you repeat the part where you said your father, um, also, where did you immigrate from? Uh, we immigrated from from India from India. Um, and you said your father's first job was a real estate agent. How did he, yes. just how did he find that job of all jobs? Oh, yeah. So actually in, in India, he was a chemical engineer. Um, and when he immigrated here, um, he started as a real estate agent because his brother was already here. My uncle, uh, was a real estate broker. So did your father start SunWest or is that your company? No, he started it. Right? Oh, your father. So this is like your inherited. Yes. Company. Correct. 
Correct. So in high school, were you in any clubs, like a business club or like a, I don't know if you guys had the future business leaders of America club in high school. Were you in any of those style clubs that you think, you know, I was in in club Sun West. Club Sun West. What's that? Because I mean, literally, I've been working in the real estate and mortgage industry since I was wee little. What age? Um, like 14? No, eight, nine. I mean, you know, it's just like before before he started SunWest, I mean, we had, we had uh, um, real estate investments. So I would be um you know all the kids would be working together cleaning the houses fixing them mowing the lawns cleaning you know collecting rent i used to go with them you know daily to collect rent in the evenings um it's just you know go visit houses to figure out what you know was with him when he made offers when he negotiated so um and on the weekends it was sitting at open houses um it was you know my mom had a farm area where she she get listings from because both my parents were were doing real estate um and my mom both became the the top listing agent in the lakewood um you know that lakewood bellflower uh area lakewood bellflower narwhal area did she um, also work for sunwest um yeah she and she's still working for sunwest she's a board she's on the board um as well secretary and on the board so um you know so the involvement in the real estate business started at a very young age um and then when he started the firm um he started the mortgage company in 1980 so you know that's back when interest rates were uh you know 19 20 percent um and everything the whole markets were a mess back then. Um, and I, the only way you could do a loan, a mortgage loan in 1980, was you got a whatever 18, 19% interest rate loan with FHA. And FHA had a negatively amortizing product where the first year's payment was effectively at 12%. And it went up and it went up 1% every year for you know seven years or eight years um, until until you uh, paid it off. So that's the kind of market that we started the firm in. And we did that. We did the mortgages and the real estate because we were the real estate agent and broker. Um, so it was just the, the, the markets got, you know, it's kind of similar today, but not as, not as I mean, today's not as bad as it was in 1980. Um, so real estate wasn't moving. Uh, there wasn't a lot of deals out there. So as a real estate broker, uh, what you do is you try to figure out how you can make more money per deal that you get. And that's why you started the mortgage company. So you can make make money on the loan side of it as well as on the real estate side. Did you jump right out of high school into working for SunWest or did you go to a university? What was that post-grad life like for you? Okay, well, I started working for SunWest Practically from the day it started, I was uh, at 1980. I was what uh, 11, 12 years old, um, and so I've done literally everything in, in the firm, um, every 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 job that needs to be done. 
um, post high school, um, I went to UC Irvine um, and uh, got a degree in, in electrical engineering. And did you do anything uh, with that degree or did you go back to work for your father? Uh, never stopped working. Um, so you worked throughout college too? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, the the the, yeah, the degree was was interesting. It was fun. Um, um, you know, I, I I recommend everyone get an engineering degree because it it gives you a very great analytical foundation, um, and that you can analytical science and math foundation that you can apply to just about anything. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but do you remember what it was like immigrating from India and why your parents made the decision to? Well, why is simple because uh, my uh, my brother, I'm oh sorry, his brother, my uncle was already here and, and he suggested um, that he um, he come to the uh, come to the states. Um, you know, we. Um, we were, you know, he was doing well in 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 India before we left, so there was no like compelling reason to move. Although when when we moved, it was quite turbulent and um, uh, difficult time period. But um, the um, you know so. Yeah, he, when when he moved to the states, he was forty. Must have been forty-two or forty-four, right? So could you, it's like yeah, you're starting life all over again from zero at forty-four, um, with with uh, three little kids in tow and no money in your pocket, uh, and, and that's what he did. Where did you guys live when you first got to the States? Did you live with your uncle? Uh, uh, yeah, actually, briefly for, uh, I don't know, maybe a few weeks, but it was, we had a little tiny apartment in Norwalk. Uh, what was the name of that street? It's still there. The same little apartment complex is there. Um, I can't remember. I remember what it looks like again. I just can't remember the, the street name. Uh, yeah, so we were in an apartment for a year or year and a half, and then from there we moved to uh, uh, to Cerritos. And um, can you tell me what it was like when you, because you're the CEO now, when you transitioned into the CEO role? Um, actually, what was your role when you worked? Like, did you ever have one concrete role before CEO at SunWest? Yeah, I was the head janitor. Head janitor. <laughs> uh, it was anything that needed to be done. Uh, it was uh, I was there to do it. But so it did you do me. broker things in LO or? Uh, I did. I was loan. I've been a loan originator. You know, since the late eighties, I've been wholesale uh, repping. Um, ran did collections. Ran servicing. Um, did invest any main investor reporting, credit fund investor reporting. So I, I mean, I've done it all. But do every new initiative. Do your sorry. sisters work for the company? Um, they did briefly, not anymore. Okay, so it's just you running it now, and your mother with the on the board. 
Yes. And do any of your other family work for the company? Um, no, because my dad passed away um, almost a year now. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for your loss. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he worked till the last day in, in the firm. Um, so you took over as CEO after his passing? Um, no, I took over as CEO in another bad time in the industry was uh, 2008. Um, after Bear Stearns, after Bear Stearns went down, I was I was in New York at, at Deutsche Bank, working with, the, working with the traders over there. We had a more than two hundred million dollar facility um, with Deutsche Bank. Um, that the collateral on that facility went from being worth uh, one hundred four to ninety. Overnight, so that that you know, you know, two thousand eight, we were at best a ten million dollar net worth company, looking at you know potentially a twenty million dollar margin call. So, did your father kind of call you to rise to the position during that time? Like, how did uh, that? No, it's yeah. it's a funny story. So, um, so I was I was sitting there with the traders at at. At Deutsche Bank and and walk through and they're walking me through. Okay, this is your situation, um, and um, you know we, you know it's it's you're you're you've got a problem. You know you got a, you got a a really big problem. But you know you need to figure something out, or this could this could trip um, your personal guarantees and and all this stuff. Right. So um, so I was in New York. Uh, dad was at home. Um, uh, dad was in, in in California, so I I gave him a call. And it was in the afternoon at California time, and he always takes a nap. Um, uh, he used to always take a nap between uh, about one to two every day. And so when I called him, he was in the middle of the nap. Mom, mom picks up the phone. And I said, "Mom, you talk to Dad." Mom's like, "Uh, yeah, he's in his nap. It's like, is it really important?" And I said, "Yeah, I think it's a little bit important." <laughs> So, uh, huh? So you disrupted his nap. <laughs> so I woke him up and I and I explained to him. I said, you know, we're looking at, you know, this is what happened to the collateral, and we're looking at a potential, uh, you know, fifteen dollar margin call, um, and this would trigger the personal guarantees and and all that. And he basically said, oh. Okay, well, you go figure that out. I'm going to take a nap. And if you can get through this, then you just take care of everything from this point forward. <laughs> so it was a simple telling you to do it rather than sitting you down and being like, would you like to be CEO? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, well, if you, if you can go figure this out and if you get in and if you figure it out, then just, then, you know, handle everything else because, um, yeah, this is if if you can navigate through through this, then um, there's there's nothing else that needs to be done, really. Um, so so basically, at that point, um, anyways, uh, yeah, I figured out a solution. I I I went over to UBS. Um, they had they had an exit. Phone. 
uh, at just below par. So we lost a couple of million bucks. Uh, we lost a premium in the profits, but we, uh, what we got, got, got out of it. I took the trade while it was there. Um, and they were very, UBS was very, very nice to us because um, they could have, they didn't have to be, you know, they, they could have been much more aggressive uh, in their position, but we had been trading with them a long time. We've been trading with Deutsche Bank, all these people a long time. Um, and we never, um, we never broke a trade. We never, um, yeah, well, was it what we said we were going to do. And then when, and that's this business, right? If you, if you take care of your partners and then when you need them, they'll take care of you. If, um, if you are out trying to squeeze everyone all the time, no one will come to help you. That's kind of the Bear Stearns um, story also. I mean, when Bear Stearns got in trouble, no one, none of the other banks helped them. They could have, and they may not have gone down, but they had a reputation uh, uh, on, on Wall Street of being you know, the most arrogant firm on, on the street. So no one helped them. So speaking of, you know, you're talking about a lot of integrity and being good to one another. What are some values that you carry as a boss at SunWest? Um, it's it's pretty simple, I think. Um, first of all, I hate the word boss. There's no, I, I always tell you, there's only one boss and that's the, the big man upstairs, right? So... <laughs> There's no such thing as, as a boss. Um, so you got to wipe that out of your mindset and, and vocabulary because as long as that's there, you're automatically creating barriers. Um, and you're creating... You're not creating a situation where people will rise to, to their best. Okay. So what and, kind of, so you prefer like something like leader? No, I, I think, I think, you know, anyone in a, um, in a leadership role, the number one job is to coach and train and educate. All right. So coach, train, educate. And then, you know, I think the, the boss, the world uses the word boss because like any good coach, you also have to maintain discipline. You know, it's like my, my son's soccer coach, right? Practice starts at 6 p.m., starts at 6 p.m., right? And he, and, and while he's teaching you, you got to pay attention. You got to do, you know, do the exercises as he's asking you to do it, right? So, so yeah, you know, maintaining order and discipline is, is part of the job, but too much, well, when you call, when, when, when you put your mindset as a boss, then everything's on that piece of it. And and not on on what what is really important. Okay, so maintaining um, order and discipline is necessary, but it is not the job. Right? That's that's like the tail wagging the dog. So that's that's why you don't shouldn't be looking at it as boss. Um, I think people like that euphemism. Uh, because it's kind of um, uh, a little bit of self-sympathy that way. 
Right. Nobody likes discipline, so you get to you get to focus on the part you don't like. Okay. Um, but you know what discipline is is you need it for every part of your life. Um, sometimes you need someone to tell you to help you have discipline, sometimes you can do it on your own. Right. So just you should think of it like your personal trainer. A good personal trainer, right, maintains a discipline and and pushes you, says whatever he needs to say to make you do that extra rep. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. Can you tell me a little bit about the company culture of SunWest? What are some values besides discipline that you put into your employees? Well, see, I spent so much time talking about discipline, uh, where that you you took that uh, as the main point. When I, my point there was, discipline is is a necessary, is a part of uh, a small part of the larger equation, right? Of, of what a coach is. Right. Uh, so what I was talking about earlier was was why boss is the wrong term. So what what a coach really is is training, teaching. And showing, and but most importantly, um, helping you believe in yourself is, is inspiring, right? Inspiring to me means that that you, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, you have to believe that you can do it. Okay, and and that's hard. That's really hard, right? Again, I, I think the personal trainer example is, is the best. That personal trainer spends a lot of energy getting in your head and making you, helping you believe that you can do that one extra rep, that you can stick to your diet, that you can, you know, stay motivated to show up the next day, right? Um, that, that is the, is, is really, really hard. Um, and it's, it's more of human psychology. Um, and it's a thinking man's game or thinking person's game. Um, as opposed to just, you know, do this and do that, barking out orders, that doesn't work. How many employees do you have uh, at SunWest, by the way? Um, U.S. operations, I think it's around 600. And you oversee all of those? Well, I mean, I'm responsible for everyone. And how... How do you, as just one human, maintain that responsibility and display, you know, what, what you said about coaching to 600 employees? Well, I think the best way is to do it by example. Um, I maintain a certain work ethic. Um, I, I do things a certain way. Like, for example, I always return every phone call. Everyone that reaches out to me, I try to get back to them. Um, usually this, you know, within the hour, if not the day, um, I'm always, if someone needs help, uh, has a problem, um, you know, I'm, I'm always available to engage and help them solve the problem. Uh, what I like to do is if someone is, has a problem, even though I know the answer, I like to, I like to give them hints and let them find the answer on their own. Because then if you, if you solve a problem on your own, then you learn something along the way. 
Um, and then you also gain a sense of, of self-fulfillment, self-pride. Uh, whereas, although it's easier to be given the answer, okay, um, but you don't really gain any ownership and you don't learn anything in that process. Um, that's harder. Um, it's harder to, to, to work that way. It takes more energy. And not everyone would appreciate, uh, appreciate that. But, um, but at the end, I think most people do and most people want, want to advance forward. They want to learn more. They want more out of life than just a paycheck. They want, they want a sense of accomplishment, a sense of, of, of belonging. Right. And, and you create that sense of belonging if you, every day you feel like you achieve something, that you learn something um, and you did something on your own. What were some of, were these also some of the values that your father implemented in the business as well? Was he a similar leader to you? Um, you know, I, 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 it's kind of hard for me to, comment on that because it's a dual relationship. I'm, I'm his kid and, um, uh, and he's also the business leader. So I think my, my view of that would be a little bit tainted. Right. Right. Uh, but as, as his son, I would say, yes, definitely. Yes. He gave us a lot of room um, to make mistakes and do things um, our way. And sometimes I felt like maybe he was too much room um, where um, we felt, or I would say where I felt like, okay, completely, uh, it's just like that day when he said, okay, I'm going back to sleep, you take care of this. It's like, but like, that, I need that's, you right now, I need you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's not a fair, fair example. But I think at that point he didn't even have an answer like, I can't help you that one. Don't know what to do. Right. I, I, right. So, um, you know, but I think often when growing up, I think often he had the answers, but he, or he had a, he had a direction and then he would see, he would see me making mistakes, but he wouldn't interfere. Let us, let me make mistakes. Um, so he seems like he kind of taught you not to fear the mistake. You know, a lot of people are raised to be scared of messing up. Yes, yeah. that's, that's, that's right. And I, and I think actually, now that you say that, you know, um, he said over and over and over again, don't be afraid to take risks. I don't want you growing up to always be, um, to be gun shy. So I saw that he wouldn't, that's not a word he would use, but that's what he meant. So if you don't take risk, you'll never get anywhere. Right. In, in, his, in his life, he's seen too many smart people, very capable people, um, basically stunt, stunt themselves because they were risk averse. And I think that's, you know, I think that's right. And I see that as well. I see a lot of people being risk averse and, and, um, and they stymie their own careers um, as a result. Um, you know, th that doesn't mean to be a cowboy either, right? Uh, it, means, it means you have to analyze, take calculated decisions uh, and smart decisions, but don't be afraid. But don't not take a decision. Don't not go a direction because it's a risk in that direction. 
And speaking of taking the risks, shifting to modern day, um, I wanted to talk, of course, in this interview about Morgan, because that is you guys' huge, you know, claim to fame product that you're promoting. Um, was this an idea that was developed um, between you and your father? Was it an idea that was just kind of yours? Can you tell me about the origins of that? Um, yeah, I, I think the lesson in Morgan um, that I take away from it is, is you know, I talked about this at Original Connect a little bit. I'm not sure if the, if the audience got it. Um, it's actually almost 40 years, 40 years in development. Um, because it's it's 40 years of investment in 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 systems and um, uh, um, planning data collecting uh, and planning for an AI based based world um, that led to this. And so that's a massive long term investment. Um, when you know since the 80s, when it seemed like AI is just around the corner and it never came around the corner. It's, it's too easy to, to just say, oh my God, we don't, we're wasting our time and money because it, it's, it's a very resource intensive to, to maintain databases like this and keep them updated. Um, and because this is the kind of thing that doesn't deliver immediate fruit in terms of you know increased loan submissions or, or anything like that. You don't even see immediate loan efficiencies um, uh, by designing a system that is so data centric. Um, so, uh, so the the lesson there is that that we kept doing it because it was part of uh, at least it was part of my vision. Um, you know, my father questioned it many times, like that is too expensive. And why are we doing this? Um, but we, but it it made sense. Fundamentally, it made sense, so we kept doing it. Um, and now that competing technology is where it is, it's 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 paying off. So the the bottom line lesson there is, and, and I was asked, I was at a wedding the other day, and uh, I was sitting next to a, a top. I think he he owns the number number two biggest century twenty one in in the country. And I was sitting next to him and he and he asked the question, well, what is if you were to do one thing over again in life, what, what would that be? Um, and and my answer is simply, you know, just stick to your guns. Every mistake I've made, not every mistake, but most mistakes I've made is is mistakes where I didn't stick to my guns. Um, and it ended up being seem like sometimes it seems there's an easier way out or someone saying something that that seemed like a shortcut. Um, ultimately, it ends up costing you more um, in in the long run. So, um, so, so the bottom line is is that Morgan is not the the actual incarnation of Morgan today is is a relatively new idea. It's about four years old, um, but the the technology, the backbone behind Morgan, um, has been you know almost forty years in the making. Just like just like you know, uh, Apple's iPhone. You know, a lot of people don't realize it, but the technology behind the iPhone is, uh, you know, at that time when it came out, it was more than 15 years old, uh, because it was the it was Steve Jobs' next next PC operating system plus 
plus the work Apple had done on Newton in, in the 90s combined together made the iPhone. Right. So this is this is very similar. You know, this is um, data data and engineering over a long time that has been combined together um, that created Morgan and the the concept of Morgan where it was where it came from was uh, we were working on a an application uh, an app uh, or a simplified consumer experience so that customers can um, um, can take take a loan application through through conversation. Um, that was the idea we were we were looking we were we were toying with. Um, and then one of our loan officers, I was meeting with a, a loan officer, the branch manager, um, said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if wouldn't it be nice if um, if we could if we had a system where I could just ask it something and I need something and I would just do it. I'm like, hmm, wait a minute. Maybe we can just repurpose what, what we've been uh, uh, trying to put together on the consumer side. So we 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 actually slapped it together uh, with the existing components that we had um, quickly in a couple of weeks and, and we gave it to a couple of uh, handful of top producers and say, what do you think of this? Um, and then they just loved it. I mean, they were ecstatic. Um, and to, to the point where, you know, their business increased and they needed fewer support staff and they were working less hours. Um, and so since then, then we started working on, okay, how do we, how do we really, you know, put some real energy on this? So it went from basically, you know, skunk works in, in some, in part of our engineering group that was toying around with some ideas, we went from that into, into a, um, uh, mainstream product. And taking this, um, you know, this is four years in the making. What is your vision for the future of um, the company and the and Morgan? Like, what do you hope to see in the next five, 10 years or so? Um, well, I, I think Morgan is going to be the number one platform in which consumers and realtors will um, get their uh, financial, basically everything, anything financial related will be going through it. Uh, we're already working with some partners to create an e-banking um, uh, interface. Uh, so you'll be able to open bank accounts, take, uh, take deposit, transfer money, um, that'll that'll all be a Morgan. Um, the crypto wallet and blockchain components will be released by the end of the year. We put a uh, presentation of um, a prototype of that in June. Um, we actually walk through a blockchain-based real estate transaction on Morgan. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see that. It's I haven't yet. No. Yeah, it's it's on our YouTube channel. I'll send you a link to it later. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Um, quick question: Is Morgan available across across the United States, or is there only certain uh, states or and or users? Um, it's it's available to to everybody. It's and um, I I think we've restricted access to to um, U.S. territories. 
Um, but it currently, current version of Morgan um, is designed for licensed professionals only. So real estate people in the mortgage industry, professionals in the mortgage industry, or real estate agents. Um, so there's a disclaimer at the beginning that uh, that uh, that says you know, it's only for um, for professionals. Um, it will be consumer ready. Um, hopefully, we'll have a version out in the next 30 days that will be consumer version, which will be fully integrated loan application being taken through the conversational interface. Um, and reactive, responsive to the consumer's current state of mind. And with all of this happening in such a small time frame, it seems, what is your day-to-day looking like? Are you working every day? And like, what does a typical day in Pavan's life look like? Well, it's it's very similar to to the typical day, day in my dad's life. I mean, he until until the day he had his accident, I mean, he was working, you know, as well, he got, he slowed down a little bit in his older, older, older years. He went from, you know, younger, younger days was working, uh, you know, 18 hours a day. Um, he did that till, uh, until he was 80, seven days a week. And then when he got in, he slowed down and towards the end, he was working, you know, six, six, seven hours a day. Um, and he wouldn't have any other way because he kept his mind sharp and, Definitely energetic. Um, so uh, it's the same thing. I mean, it's just like you gotta love what you do. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine doing anything else but what what I do. So much fun. Do you work eighteen hours a day as well, Bavon? Seven days a week? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I don't know if if I would say it's eighteen seven, <laughs> um, but it is it is almost uh, almost continuous. Yeah. And then the, the, the reason some days, some days I'll, I'll, I'll literally go like 24 hours a day, some days uh, at some time periods without, without sleeping. Cause I don't need a lot of sleep and I'll, I'll literally go like Monday through Friday, some, some weeks and I haven't slept. Um, and, and then some, sometimes I zone out a little bit and I'm, and I'm, and I'm sleeping and, and not working as many hours. So it just depends. What do you do outside of work? How do you keep your mental health from getting clogged if you're working and not sleeping? Well, well one of the things I do, I me turn this camera around. It, it's not to turn the background off for you to see it. Hold on a second. Now you get to see my messy room. Background side a lot. So one of the things I do is get this rowing machine over here. So, what does I, that do? You know, you know, it's a rowing machine. Oh, a rowing machine. Yeah, yeah. So whenever I, uh, whenever I'm a little bit too anxious, uh, no, whatever, I'll jump on that thing. So you're a fan of exercise as well? Yes. Uh, yes, I should be doing more. I need to get back to my my my. My personal trainer. Um, what about family? Do you spend time? What do you and your family do together outside of work? Oh, uh, you know, I ever since COVID, um, it's been wonderful because now my my office is this this room here on the second floor. Um, so um, uh, so we're I'm together with my kids like all the time, um, and this it's. it's is, is continuous. I, I love not having to go 
go back to the office. So that's why we changed changed our policy. Um, pretty much everyone has the option to work at home or or in the office. Uh, yeah, one second. Hey, you need something? Okay, but thanks. I think that was a signature. Mm -hmm. So as so I said if 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 it works so well for me, it's gonna work for everyone else. And it has worked out quite well. Um so, so you live in Puerto Rico too? You're yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so most of our employees um elect to work from um Work from home. Are most uh, of them home. based in Puerto Rico? Um, I'd say about 40, 30, 40% are in Puerto Rico. And um, the rest are in, um, uh, yeah. Well, there's California, the other big operation center. And then, uh, of course, our loan originators are everywhere. Mm -hmm. right. so, so I'm talking about our ops staff. Is is they all had the option to work either from home or come into one of the local branches, whatever. Some people prefer to be out of home uh, so they can concentrate, uh, but most people uh, continue to work from home. How do you create a company culture and get across your values without having everyone in the office? Um, well, I I think giving people freedom to work in a style that works best for them. Um, that is the company culture, right? So by enforcing um, sort of a, a, you know, this kind of micromanagement mandate uh, would, would actually destroy that. So that, I mean, that's again, you know, uh, one of the discoveries of COVID was like, hey, you know, let's just, since, since we're all about personal empowerment, um, this, you know, what an obvious way to, to empower people. Um, so I, 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 think, I think what you're saying there is, is just another, like to say that, okay, we gotta, we gotta create a company culture by having everyone in one office, I think that's just another form of micromanagement. Good point. Um, that is all I have for today, Pavan. But if I have any more questions, I'm sure we could set up another meeting or I can email you. I know you're a busy guy. So I appreciate yeah, you taking yeah. time out today. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no worries. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com. Here are the, your headlines for today, January 2nd. Union Home Mortgage Corporation, a full-service retail, wholesale, and consumer-direct independent mortgage banking company, recently announced its acquisition of Kalamazoo, Michigan-based Amerifirst Home Mortgage. The terms of the transaction between the two leading USDA mortgage lenders weren't disclosed. Prime Lending is suing First Community Mortgage for poaching 100 employees. Prime Lending says that this caused a $30 million loss in revenue. 
Prime Lending says that the workers that walked out gave no notice. They also claim that FCM hijacked their Google business profile into damage through that. Pending home sales slid for the sixth consecutive month in November, falling to their second lowest level in 20 years. The National Association of Realtors says all four U.S. regions recorded month-over-month decreases, and all four regions saw year-over-year declines in transactions. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.